This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, and welcome to the Friday Twilight Show with me, Claire Cannon. Thank you for joining me here on Teachers Talk This evening, I am taking the time to explore ideas and thoughts about the skills that we should think about developing in the leaders of the future. In other words, our students. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And thank you once again for joining me this evening on the Friday Twilight Show. This week, I am thinking about how we can develop our students to be the leaders of the future. What skills will they need? What skills won't they need? What things might work as the world changes? We don't have a crystal ball. Um, Be nice if we did. And who knows where things like technology are going to take us. Um, Lots of research at the moment about AI and the impact that is having. Um, And the fact that a lot of conversations have started to focus on potential risks um, and perhaps less so on the potential positives. But whatever the outcome of technology like AI, it's a fast-paced world that we live in. Um, But that said, there are certain principles of leadership which I think will always be important and possibly even more so um, in what can seem a very uncertain world. So what types of leadership skills are we thinking of? Um, In the past, so-called good or, or strong leaders were often those who had quite an authoritarian style. And sometimes, if you went back even further, um, potentially even a dictatorial style. Now, these ideas are now seen as outdated, and there are many, many other skills which are recognised as being important. Um, I wonder, those of you who are listening live, um, I wonder what leadership skills you think have had their day. Um, I also wonder what you think about leadership skills for the future might look like. What things do you think we should be developing in our young people in schools? And how can we do that so that the young people are ready for the world of work um, and anything they choose to go on to in their future? So really interested to hear what anybody thinks about leadership for the future. Um, As I say, there's so much going on with technology, with AI, and lots of those things are probably going to play into the different skill sets that our young people now are going to need. For some of them, leaving school in potentially only a matter of months, their year 11 um, or year 13, and some of them will have longer with us, um, in which case we have longer to foster and develop their different skill sets and leadership styles for the future. So just really interested in your thoughts. Um, I have a few examples from my personal experience, uh, which I'd like to share with you. Uh, Won't be naming any names, but just a few thoughts on things that have gone well and sometimes things that haven't and how that could potentially feed into what we look at doing moving on. So a little break to hear from our sponsors and then a little bit more with some examples from me. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. 
Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the EtonX curriculum in your school for free. Visit EtonX.com to find out more. So, good to hear from some of our sponsors there. And I mentioned AI in the little introduction to the show. Um, and interestingly, it was mentioned in their little advert. So this evening, I am exploring how we can develop our students as the leaders of the future and thinking about what skills will they need and how as a school um, or an educational provider, we can work with them to make sure that they have the best skill set ready to go into the world of work at whatever time they get there. So to be able to do this, I think it's really important to reflect on what it is that already works well um, that will give us a really good starting point. And then to think about what we can do next. So I started my little bit of research into, into planning this show, actually, by thinking about some personal experiences. Um, and I thought about leaders that I've worked for in several different schools. Now, I'm, when I say leaders, I mean mostly head teachers, um, but others also in school leadership roles. Um, so... Here are some of my thoughts, really. Um, one school where I worked, I actually didn't feel that I had a lot of professional autonomy. Um, why? Because I felt like I was constantly being questioned. Where was I? What was I doing? Why was I doing that particular thing and not whatever other thing it was that somebody felt like I should be doing? Um, in other words, I suppose there was a lack of trust, a lack of respect, or it felt like that um, anyway, for the decisions that I was making. And that's absolutely not to say that there shouldn't be support, there shouldn't be challenge. Of course there should be, but I think there is a way of going about that in a way that is productive rather than in a way that makes staff feel disenchanted, frustrated, um, sometimes not feeling like they're not up to the job. And obviously, you know, in a world where staff recruitment and retention is really challenging, that's something is really key to get right, really, really key. Um, now, in another school, thankfully, I had a very, very different experience, very, very positive. Um, lots of ideas and suggestions, and I would say here, not just mine, um, but of, of all other staff as well. Um, were really sort of considered, thought through, um, and there was a lot of collaboration between staff members at all levels, and particularly the senior leadership team. And again, yes, there was the support. Yes, there was very definitely the challenge. But it happened from a place of, of real trust. Um, the senior leaders, and including the head, really took the time to get to know their staff. And for me, um, as a middle leader, I felt they really knew me as a person. I wasn't just there doing my role. I wasn't just there making up the numbers. Um, they actually cared about me as a person as well as how I was doing professionally. And I was really encouraged to share things, um, things that were going well. And because of that place of real trust, also things that I was perhaps finding more difficult. Um, and the senior leaders were very open that sharing in this way was not because they wanted to criticize but because they wanted to understand um, and i will always remember the phrase that was often used um, not actually just with staff with students as well but i think it applies across you know any kind of professional relationship um, which is seek to understand before being understood now there's a huge amount of care and empathy shown not just towards me, but to the staff body as a whole. And, and it was really genuine. Um, and it made me start thinking how, you know, they were saying very similar things, the two different schools, the feedback I would get. Um, but it was coming across in a very different way. And it came down to those relationships, that care, that compassion, and really knowing people on a human level. 
Now, to show care and compassion and empathy, um, particularly as a leader, is something that can sometimes be labelled as a soft skill. Um, I actually think this should be renamed valuable skills, um, possibly even difficult skills, um, because they need people in those leadership roles to be vulnerable, um, to be able to be open to feedback, to be able to take on something that might be a difficult message. So I think actually being able to be vulnerable um, is a valuable skill in itself, definitely something that's not always easy. Um, certainly something that I think requires mutual trust, and definitely requires a relationship which is built on openness and built on honesty. And if you're listening in live, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Please do text in with any of your ideas. Anyway, so that was my sort of reflections on personal experiences, um, which then got me on to thinking about the wider world. Um, in other words, outside of education. And I think as teachers, as school staff, it can be very easy to get into quite a narrow way of looking at things, um, especially if we don't make a conscious effort to step back, um, to take a step out of the education world and to look at what else is going on around us. So I started looking at what is going on in leadership development as a concept, um, rather than in one particular area, whether that be education or any other sector. Um, but what is going on in leadership development right now as a concept? So I started looking at what influential leaders are saying around the world. Um, and I watched a TED talk by Simon Sinek um, it's on YouTube. It's free to watch um, about a quarter of an hour long and really, really interesting things that he said in that short period of time. And one of the key messages that he shared and that I took away was that you need to cultivate a culture of trust, care and safety. Um, to quote Simon from that show, that TED talk, he said, if the conditions are wrong, we are forced to expend time and energy protecting ourselves from each other. And I thought that is that is so true. If we are finding that we're not getting along, that the environment we're in is forcing us to be protective of ourselves, we are using up so much energy that could otherwise be used elsewhere. And I think many of us will recognise that in our students, perhaps those who come into school who quite often show as having SEMH needs, background of trauma, they are spending a huge amount of time protecting themselves from the environment, from things that are causing them challenge, causing them pain. So why would we not create that sort of environment for our staff, somewhere that they feel safe and somewhere that they feel valued? Now, the other thing that Simon Sinek referred to quite a lot of times is about making an environment not just where people feel safe, but where they feel safe enough to be confident to try and fail, potentially fail. They might not, may succeed, but they have to feel that they can take a risk, that they can try something new. And OK, it might not go right. They won't have planned for it to go wrong. Of course they wouldn't. But there is always that risk when you try something new. But they know that they will be supported. They know that they won't be criticised for making the effort to do something different. And we know, as school staff, that failure is a form of learning. So that made me start wondering if there is also something in that concept about resilience. If we're talking about developing the leaders of tomorrow, not just helping them show care, helping them show compassion and empathy, but also building resilience in themselves, also how they can build resilience in other people. And that way, the teams that they are working with will know they are trusted, they are supported to try new things, um, but also that they have the capacity to work with those leaders to reflect. And if things haven't gone as intended, that actually there is the space and the support to work out why and to think about what could be, what could be done about it, how can it be improved? So, back to my original question, how can we develop the leaders of the future? What skills do they need? 
coming up with a bit of a list. Um, so far, I've got trust, care, compassion, um, empathy and resilience. Now, if you are listening live, um, be really interested to know what you think about that little list. Um, have you got anything you would add? Have you got anything you would remove? Um, love to hear your thoughts. Please do let me know. So, after reflecting on what Simon Sinek had said, I started thinking about the principles um, of leadership. As I say, I was thinking about leadership as a concept, not just in one specific area. Then that brought me to the Nolan Principles. Um, the Nolan Principles were developed by the Committee on Standards in Public Life in 1995. And they are seven concepts which the committee agreed on as, as a way of being uh, for people in public office. Now, personally, um, looking at the seven of them, I feel that the first six all feed into making a good leader and are the skills and traits that we should be looking at in terms of developing our students. In other words, tomorrow's leaders. So what are the seven Nolan principles? As a very quick list, they are selflessness, integrity, objectivity, accountability, openness, honesty, and finally leadership. So selflessness, thinking about acting in the public interest or the interest of the, the organisation, um, not just being self-serving. Um, integrity was thinking about holders of those public offices, prominent figures, avoiding placing themselves to be under any obligation to others who might try and in, inappropriately influence them in their work. And these, these leaders, these people in public office, shouldn't be acting or taking decisions in order to gain personal benefit um, or benefit for family and friends. And if they, they have any concerns, they are supposed to declare them and resolve any of those um, potential conflicts of interest. Um, the next one, third one of the Nolan Principles, was that holders of public office must act and take decisions impartially, fairly and on merit. I think that is a really key thing as a, as a leader, um, that you are making those decisions on merit, based on what they're worth, um, and thinking about the wider implications of um, what's going to happen, and not making the decision just because it's the decision you might have wanted, but actually might be somebody else's idea, um, which might prove to be um, gaining a better outcome. Um, next one was accountability, and that is that, as it says, really, holders of office are accountable for their decisions. I think that's fairly self-explanatory. Um, next one was openness, and that holders of an office should act and take decisions in an open and transparent manner. Information should not be withheld unless there are clear reasons for doing so. And I think that is really key, and it links into what I was saying about trust, um, and about feeling that you are supported and that decisions are being made, as it said in one of the previous principles, actually fairly, um, impartially and on merit. And the sixth principle of the seven was that um, holders of public office should be honest, truthful. Again, we know that's a huge um, factor that will impact how much or, or not um, people will trust the leader. The seventh principle is leadership. Um, and it does actually say people in a public office should exhibit these principles in their own behaviour. Um, and they should also promote and robustly support the rest of the principles and be willing to challenge wherever it is necessary. So, a little bit of a list. Why would our young people, and I suppose current staff, why would they want to do these things? You may well already be doing these things, but if you take a look around any social media platform, you will quickly see that sadly there are quite a lot of schools where staff do not necessarily feel that this is the case. They don't feel that they are truly supported or trusted. Um, so perhaps in thinking about the leaders of tomorrow, also thinking a little bit about the leaders of today. So I think this is also about considering why these things are important. We know for our young people just and many people actually just telling them to do something um, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do it. 
Um, and that is true for adults as well. People need to understand the why, the reason that they are being asked to do something. And I think going, there is a really clear link between the ideas that Simon Sinek spoke about in his talk and the Nolan principles. If you have a leader that is showing the behaviours described in the Nolan principles, they are someone who is setting the foundations for really creating the conditions where people can feel safe. That openness and that honesty all contribute to that feeling of trust. If people feel they can, they are trusted, they can think creatively, um, and they're more likely to risk failure in the development of new ideas. And I absolutely love a quote from Erin Hansen. And you may have seen this in memes and on home decorations. And the quote says, what if I fall? And it has a response. Oh, but darling, what if you fly? And I just think, consider where you are at the moment. Consider the school that you're in or your workplace. Would you risk falling for the benefits of what if you fly? And whatever your response to that question, just invite you to think about why you came to this conclusion. Is it to do with the leadership in your school? Maybe something else. Um, whatever it is, I'd love you to text in if you have any thoughts. So, lots to hear there about what leadership skills are likely to look like now, um, but also how we need to be building those into the the skill sets of the leaders of the future too. So after a quick break, um, we'll hear from our sponsors once again. I'm hoping we may be able to hear from my guest, Uta, about her thoughts on how we can develop our students, looking at those leadership skills and how we can build those in, support them to develop that now so they are ready for their future. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving and many more. Offer the EtonX curriculum in your school for free. Visit EtonX.com to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This week in the news, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation published their report, Poverty 2024. Among many of its startling conclusions was that one in five people, that's 22% of the UK population, were in poverty. In 2021 to 22, that's 14.4 million people. 8.1 million were working age adults. 2.1 million were pensioners, and 4.2 million were children aged between 3 and 10. And overall, this represented the longest period of increased poverty in over 20 years. These figures also show that 6 million people were in what the Roundtree Foundation describes as very deep poverty. This week, widely reported, was the government's plan to ban disposable vapes Guardian carried a story earlier in the week of a head teacher who revealed that a vape detector he had installed in school bathrooms went off more than 100 times on the first day. He also recalled his horror when a student passed out after sharing a vape with someone else before school. Speaking to head teachers up and down the country, I don't think there's one school 
where young children are not addicted to vapes, he is quoted as saying. The Times Educational Supplement on the 24th of January carried a story that would hardly surprise many teachers. With the headline that just four in 10 teachers found their last inset day useful, 41% of classroom teachers questioned in a survey described their last inset day as either somewhat useful or very useful, while a third said it was not particularly useful, according to figures published by Teachers Tab. The findings were based on 9,000 teachers across England, surveyed during the autumn of 2023, and a part of a report highlighting shortcomings in current teacher professional development. However, almost a fifth of teachers, 17%, said they would prefer to receive £2,500 worth of CPD vouchers over, or rather instead of, a £1,000 pay rise. The conclusion being that teachers value professional development if they have more control over its delivery. According to The Guardian this week, London councillors are preparing to mothball schools to avoid a boom or bust cycle of closures. This is primarily caused by a falling birth rate, higher housing costs and the aftermath Brexit and saw an exodus of young families from the London area. This week in the House of Commons, Gillian Keegan, the Education Secretary, was accused of filibustering by the Speaker Lindsay Hoyle, who admonished her for her lengthy, time-wasting answers to questions over exams and crumbling schools. The Speaker said, we're having this problem every time, and it's topical questions. They're meant to be short and punchy. And finally, this week saw the conclusion of the BET Education Technology Conference in London at the Excel Centre. Among the many exhibitors you will have found, if you'd gone there, the Teachers Talk Radio exhibit, with Tom Rogers and other Teachers Talk Radio presenters conducting interviews, recording videos, which you can find on YouTube, and generally creating awareness of the work of Teachers Talk Radio. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Jock Gibbs. Okay, thank you um, there for the news and just a little bit of information again from our sponsors. So, um, back to Friday Twilight Show. I'm hoping that I'm soon going to be joined by Uta, um, who has kindly said she would share some of her thoughts about how we can develop students as our future leaders. Uta, I can see you there um, on the live listeners screen. I know you said you're having a little bit of trouble joining us um, this evening, so hopefully we can get you on anytime soon. Um, but in the meantime, just want to go back to that quote I shared um, before the break for the news. Um, the quote that's often in memes on decorations and says, what if I fall? Oh, but darling, what if you fly? So we're thinking about how the leaders of the future, our students today, can be developed in such a way that when they go into the workplace, they are able to support their teams, their colleagues, in taking those risks, the things that might make them fly um, and the things that could potentially bring huge benefits to whatever organisation um, they choose to work for. So some of the things that um, I was talking to Uta about before this show, just in preparation, um, was if I asked you to think of someone who is a good leader, um, somebody currently, it doesn't have to be in education, it could be somebody in a different sector, um, but what is it that they have or that they do? What leadership skills do they have? Um, I'd be interested to hear how those, you might use different words, but how their skill sets might align with the ideas of care and compassion. I think we may have Uta available to join us now, so let's just see if I can get her in. Um, hopefully we can get her on to hear her thoughts. Um, oh, she's struggling to get on again. Um, the other things that I asked her to think about and that we'd like to hopefully get to discuss this evening 
are areas that perhaps need further development, either things we haven't thought about yet, or perhaps things we're not good enough yet at doing. Um, what areas might we need to focus on a little bit more than we are currently doing? Um, and then more importantly, how can we start developing those skills in our young people? We've identified some of the things we would like to see um, and some of the things we perhaps wouldn't. But how are we going to support our young people to develop those skills, start them now while they're in school and that they can then continue with as they move on into their careers um, after their time with us in education? can see, Uther, that you are still trying to join me, so hopefully we manage to get you on sometime soon. Um, I'm just going to start by uh, thinking back to the um, Nolan principles that I mentioned earlier on um, and how actually they might still apply when um, leadership has changed in the future, when we have perhaps more use of AI, when we've looked at how those kind of resources can support our leadership. Um, at the moment, I know lots of schools use AI for things like um, lesson planning, for, for particularly for cover lessons. And, you know, that's, that's only going to be something I think that will grow. So let's have a think. Uh, oh, Uta, I can see you've managed to join us now. So let's have a think um, with Uta about how we can develop the leaders of the future um, and we'll pick up on some of these other ideas I've just mentioned as we go. Uther, can we hear you? Good evening. I, I think there. I hope you can hear me. Ah, oh, I can hear you loud and clear. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so evening. much for having me. I'm so glad I managed to get on as well. Ah, uh, well done for um, fixing whatever technical challenges you had there. I don't know about AI. I think we just need to get our way around laptops sometimes, don't I'm we? I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again for, for joining me. Um, I just wondered, first of all, whether you would like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and, and your current role. Oh, yes, of course. So I'm Uta and I'm an associate assistant principal in a secondary school in London. And on Saturday, I also work in a supplementary school and I'm the co-ed teacher there. And also, I don't know where I find the time, but I'm also a network leader at Step Up. And we are just helping aspiring leaders uh, to just, you know, achieve their ambitions. That's fantastic. Now, I knew you did the Saturday thing and I was wondering how you had time to do that, but I didn't realise about the other bit. So... <laughs> I, I'm just in awe, Uta. I, I genuinely don't know how you fit all that in. That's amazing. Um, so picking up on the theme of developing the leaders of the future, um, we started by thinking about what skills leaders, you know, good leaders have, current leaders have. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on on that. First of all, um, I think when I mean, there are different type of leaderships. But I think for me, if I had to really think about what we're talking about this evening, and I would say maybe it would be, I mean, like I said, it's linking with the theme of this evening, I would say empathy and compassion. Uh, of course, you need different other skills, and I think maybe adaptability, decision-making skills, and all of those other skills, of course. But thinking about this evening, I think it's so important. And when I was listening to what you were saying earlier, it's yeah. so important to be in a position to understand the people you serve, the students, and also understand the people you work with, you collaborate with on a daily basis. So for example, colleagues uh, in SLT or just the teachers that are really helping you achieve all mm. you know, your goals for your school. So I think it's really important that whatever position of leadership you are in, that you've got that skill to understand what the other is going through and not be in their shoes, but just understand and be able to listen with compassion. Mm. And I think that's really interesting that you picked up on not being in their shoes, because I think that's the difference between sympathy and empathy, isn't it? And you, you mentioned empathy there um, when you were thinking about leadership skills. Um, I'm just interested in any areas that you think might need 
developing? Um, are there any areas that we're missing at the moment that perhaps we need to focus on a little bit more? Um, I think it depends on the school, really. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some schools, I think, are, are doing it really well. Some schools got uh, empathy curriculum. They, you know, inviting guests in. They're really trying to do everything they can to support the students in developing those skills that yeah. are important for the future. So, yeah, I would say it depends on the school, really. But sometimes I think it's difficult for school leaders to, to balance, you know, between academic success, which mm. is a priority for everybody, yeah. and making sure the students are equipped to, for the life outside after school. So I'm not really sure how to answer that one because I, I would say it depends really on the school. Yeah. Just, just going to throw this out there. Do you think we've got the balance right between academic focus and sort of the more personal development, holistic focus, or do you think that might need a review? That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, does it need a review? I, I'm not going to say it needs a review. But maybe what we, we need to think about as educators is what do we really want for the students? What mm. do we really want, you know, for those people, those young people who are, because when we look at them, we know that tomorrow they're going to be, for example, they're going to have their own companies, they're going yeah. to maybe be doctors, they may be going to come back and be teachers. So I think it's just, making sure that it's not just driving academic achievement, but also making sure that as a whole, they are um, ready, I would say. I think yesterday I went to um, the launch of Empathy Week and mm. they were, I, I really liked that um, there was a phrase that really resonated with me and it was really about creating um, a mentally sound culture. And I wow. think, Yes, and I think, you know, honestly, I was just like, yeah, it's true, we should not, I mean, of course we are at the moment, we are addressing mental health issues when they arise, but yeah. it's true that maybe what we need to do is take a step back and kind of go upstream and try and find what's the source, what's the origin <laughs> of, of the problem and try maybe to, to address this before they arise. And yeah, maybe that's what we, so I don't know if, like I said, I, I mean, I'm not in that position yet <laughs> to make that decision, but um, maybe. Yeah, and I think that phrase you mentioned, that's, that is a wow moment, isn't it? Yes. To, to really start looking at things from that perspective as sort of your starting point. Yeah. Um, that's very different to perhaps how things have been for a very long time. Yeah. Um, now, you, you mentioned it was all part of the start of Empathy Week. Um, one of the things I... I did want to ask you is how how do you think we can start to develop uh, or further develop where you say some schools already have started but yeah. you know if we want our young people to show these skills um what is it we need to do and to put in place in our schools that's going to give them those opportunities to develop those skills even more for me it's really about like you're saying creating opportunities you know for the students to actually develop those skills. So it's really about making sure um, whatever we want them to develop as a skill. So if it's compassion, if it's empathy, if it is solving, problem solving, whatever the, the skill it is that they, we would like to develop in those kids, in those children, we need to create those opportunities for them. And I know a lot of school at Christmas time, I think a lot of school around the countries are giving that opportunity to students to raise funds for yeah. local charities. And I think this is really good because when you, you come to school, you're maybe coming from, you know, there's something going on at home, you're coming in school. It's really like, I feel the students' lives, sometimes it's really kind of apart from the real world. But when we are actually bringing social issues in schools and we are telling the students you know what you can be part of the solution i think yeah. it's very empowering for them and i know i'm a secondary teacher so it's really mm -hmm. start from me start from year seven and you can see they are really keen they are really keen in raising money for for example people who are facing homelessness 
or for example, um, the people who, I mean, with COVID, a lot of our six farmers, for example, they mm. um, created a food bank, so they were really putting. Um, wow. Yes, and I thought it was incredible because they were doing this during their free periods. Even more well, <laughs> they are not the time to do that. Do you see what I mean? And um, mm. I think it's good because it teaches them so much things. It's, of course, it teaches them all those organizational skills, you know, mm. using your free time to pack the food, making sure it's labeled properly, that the um, reception is contacting the parents to tell them, okay, it's very available for you. But it yeah. also makes them think about others and, you know, thinking, okay, this person is struggling. What can I do to support them? What can I do to help them? Another example that I'm thinking of is mediation. And again, in a lot of schools, we've got the older students taking on mediation training and helping the younger students solve issues with friendship, bullying. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think for me, this is so empowering for the students that they are being put in that position of leadership from a very young age. So we know that those, well, in my opinion, those students, when they're going to leave, they will be stronger and mm. they're really going, they have started already to make an impact, a positive impact, you know, in their local community. Yeah. No, and that's really, really powerful, isn't it? That not only are they making a positive impact in the local community, so they're impacting someone else, but hopefully they're feeling that benefit for themselves too, um, that they can see that they've made that difference. Um, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do because when we ask them to, to talk about it, um, they are very articulate. They can really, they, they know why they're doing it. And mm. I mean, I, I was saying this earlier, I actually uh, met former students and they are always telling me that, well, when I say they are always telling me, the ones that I met in those contexts. So for example, mm -hmm. um, I met a student um, this winter, I, meet a, I met a student and he's really kind of taking an active part in a group, a community group. Mm. And I remember him and you and we know the one we remember. You remember them for a reason, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I remember him and when he saw me, he, remember, he remembered me too. And I was really impressed to see him, you know, leading that group. And I said, oh, okay, what, what, you know, what are you doing? I was a bit surprised to see him there, to be honest with you. And he said, no, that he remembered all the time and effort we put in him, we invested in him. And he mm. thought, okay, now it's my time to give back. And it really, really, you know, like it was incredible. I, I was just thinking, yeah. this is what we want. We want students, well, not student anymore because he left now, <laughs> yeah. he's in his twenties, but we want young people like this, you know? And I think we must not forget that when we are talking to the students, my main priority is of course, everybody getting grade nine, but at <laughs> the same time, I'm thinking, okay, I need to make sure that when they, they leave, they, they actually leave a positive mark. They mm. make everybody proud. And just to this afternoon, actually, I, um, I was chatting with one of my students and um, he was telling me that it was his mum's um, birthday this evening. Yeah. And I said, oh, wow, um, what are you going to do? And he was telling me that he actually saved up his pocket money for like, oh. you know, moms and yeah. got her all the things she loves. And it's not the, the fact that she got, he got her things that she loved. He actually enlisted another friend, a female friend, mm. to go and buy, for example, he told me nail varnish and lipstick. <laughs> and yeah. he was telling me I wanted to give back to my mom. My mom told me I don't have to do that because I'm a child, but I wanted to give this to her because she always give us things. And I wanted to really, you know, show her appreciation. That is so, amazing. Isn't yeah, it? I loved it when he said that. And I, I hope, uh, you know, fantastic birthday to the mom, but I'm <laughs> sure she will be pleased. Yeah. And, you know, that just shows what, you know, you and your school have done, I think, with, with building that sort of more holistic side of things, you know, looking at, you know, not just them getting their grade nines or whatever else, but developing them as a person. And, and just, you know, the fact that that student who's now in their 20s still remembers and they're still kind of thinking about what the school did to support them. 
that kind of long term, you know, it's not just leadership is not just about here and now, is it? It's about the long term impact and effect that you can have on someone. Um, so I suppose sort of thinking about what you've done as a school has obviously been very, very successful. Um, and some some schools, like you mentioned earlier, will be in that position where they've got lots of programs, lots of different schemes running like your student um, mentorship scheme and whatever. But if there are schools who are perhaps a little bit further back on their journey down um, developing students in that way, what what would your advice be to them um, in terms of putting things in place? What, what suggestions would you have? I think the first thing I would say is um, visit other schools. Hmm. I think uh, this is kind of a, a CPD that's um, undervalued maybe. But uh, if you got that opportunity to, to visit other school and find out what they are doing exactly um, to kind of develop their students, I would really take that opportunity and, you know, talk to, for example, the person who is in charge of PSHE just to, to find out what they are doing. Yeah. The other thing is, um, I know you uh, mentioned AI earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go as far as AI, but I would say Google is your friend. <laughs> and <laughs> there are a lot of, you know, um, organizations. So Empathy Week is one of them, and it's a, a fantastic source of resources for free and as a teacher we know we love free stuff we love free (laughs) we do we don't have any you know so that's what we go for so definitely check um, the empathy week website um, and also um, association for character education website and the other um, signpost i would do is the jubilee center for character Mm -hmm. and virtues and all of this website really i mean it's um I don't know what to say, it's a bottomless well of resources. (laughs) So definitely use those. But my first port of call really is when you are going into event where you are meeting other educators, just ask, Mm -hmm. you know, just ask them. And we we love talking, well, I know I do, (laughs) but but we love sharing those kind of, you know, uh, really useful resources. So I would just say, go and visit um, some schools. Otherwise, yeah, just go on those websites and you will find loads of assemblies, ideas for assemblies. And some of them, you got actually um, speakers coming in your school. So yeah. it's it's really, um, I've got, a, a, I remember one of my friends really, it's a, a former colleague and he's coming in, um, for free in schools to deliver assembly, to just, you know, tell children about history of courage and resilience. And this is another skill that, you know, the the students will definitely need. They need it now in school, but also when they leave. So it's it's really about keeping your eyes open, I would say, but make sure you do ask. And um, I'm sure people will, will, you know, will help you and, and signpost you to the right resources as well. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Um, and like you say, yes, Google is, is very definitely our friend. Um, yes. Uta, just a couple other things um, that I wanted to see your, see your thoughts on. Um, you mentioned the grade nines and obviously, you know, schools are places that we are supporting young people to get qualifications. Um, and that can sometimes lead to them be, you know, focusing perhaps solely on, on those qualifications, possibly at the expense or, or loss um, of wider things. So what is it we can do to help our young people see these skills as important things to develop when they're not things that are measured and tracked by exam results and grades? I think the key here really is to make sure they are embedded in your curriculum if possible Mm -hmm. so i know of a school who is actually was a curriculum for you know empathy and compassion and what they do is they've got a key stage three curriculum and it's basically embedded in their own curriculum so there's no i would say there's no choice there Mm -hmm. however when i'm saying there's no choice there it's um kind of a bit like a menu. So the student actually choose. So even though it is embedded, the student choose. And I think it's very important that we offer, we offer this as a choice. 
we yeah. need to to make it clear that it's important but i think adding that choice it adds another dimension of value i don't know if you see what i mean for sometimes when we say it's compulsory Mm. straight away that's it you know it's no yeah. longer interesting but when you say okay you can choose between this or that for students for children you know straight away it sounds a bit more exciting mm. so what i would say is how do we make it more appealing to students invest capacity yeah make sure it's you know embedded in the curriculum but at the same time it's important that the the child knows okay what are the skills that I have already developed, what are the ones that I still need to develop and, you know, be able to make that choice. So yeah. let's say, for example, a student who is, um, you know, very involved in activity outside of school, uh, leadership activity. So I'm thinking about maybe that child is doing a lot of volunteering. So maybe when we're going to come in school, maybe they need to de develop another skill if they have that opportunity. So yeah. I'm thinking maybe what they would need to, what they would like to develop, maybe it's um, public speaking instead of, mm -hmm. you know, um, those kind of volunteering skills because they already developed them. So I think it's really a, a balance between offering it yeah. as a standard but at the same time providing that option so that the student are actually doing what they want to do. And I think, you know, from what you said about what your school has already got in place and already done, that's clearly something that is happening. You know, you've got it embedded. The students are getting that as part of their diet, if you like. But things like the food bank and things like the mentoring of younger students give them those extra opportunities if they want to take them. Um, so re really, really interesting thoughts there about making sure that everyone has some opportunity and that there's also um, additional ones for those who perhaps want to do a bit more. Um, Uta, I'm just I'm very grateful to you giving up your Friday evening after a busy week when I know you've got all your other things that you do at the weekend. But if you don't mind, just one last question for you. Um, what do you think the impact would be if leaders around the world did show more empathy care and compassion i know the loaded question claire thank you so <laughs> much <laughs> um i think when we when we see um what's going on in the world of course this is my my personal opinion mm. i think sometimes it shows that uh, some of our leaders are maybe out of touch. And when I say out of touch, what I mean by that is I think it's very difficult for them to understand what maybe another section of the population is going through. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what it is to, to actually um, have that skill, that empathy skill, to, to, to be able to understand that this is where I am, but this is where they are. And yeah. I should be able to listen, actively listen. I should be able to hear I should be able to see, I should be able to understand what the other is going through. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're looking at, for example, the justice system, uh, the economic system, there is a kind of partition, isn't it? And it, it's really very, it's really rare when, you know, both sides can understand what the other one is going through. And I think it might come from that, you know, they are not able to, they are not, maybe, maybe I should not say able, maybe I should say they are not equipped to mm -hmm. listen to one another. And it's, it, the communication breaks down because yeah. both parties are talking, but none of them are listening to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it's really tricky because we want, well, we believe anyway, that we all want things to get better, but yeah. because better looks different, <laughs> <laughs> for you know for different people that's when it's it's difficult i think for our decision makers yeah to and i mean at all level to be honest with you i think it's difficult for the decision makers to take decisions that are going to not please everybody but that are going to answer the problems of the majority and yeah. i think maybe that's if we really work 
together. I don't know how long it's going to take, but <laughs> if we if we really work together, maybe we might be able to produce a generation of leaders who are really going to to be able to to see what the other is going mm -hmm. through, to understand what the other is going through. And I think this is what I'm trying to do anyway. I, I'm really thinking we need to, to have young people when we are, they are going out, when they are leaving school, that they are aware that their experience mm -hmm. is not the experience of everybody. Mm. Well, there's some quite profound things there in what you've just said. I said that was going to be the last question, and it, and it is, just, just so you know. But I think you just opened up a whole can of worms there. About you did it. <laughs> I, okay. I opened up a whole can of worms by asking a question. But, yeah, some, some really, really interesting bits in your answer there about people seeing from each other's point of view. And actually, yeah, we, you're right. I think we all do want things to, to get better. Um, but what does better look like? And does it look like the same thing for, for different people? Probably not. And that's OK. Um, but as you say, it's then about how we listen and how we communicate and how we kind of work that through with each other. So, um, yeah, really, really, really sort of thought provoking stuff in your answers. And very, very grateful to you again for joining me no, on a Friday you. night. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and and thank you for working through the technology issues earlier on as well, because I could see you popping in and out. I was like, oh, she's there. Oh, no, she's not. <laughs> um, and then you, you made it. So we're That's my good. weakest point. I need, this is what I need to work on. <laughs> well, it's just pot bin, to be honest with you. But, you know, I will, <laughs> I will make it better on that one. I'll try. I'll practice. <laughs> well, we got there. And it's been lovely to have you on having a chat this evening. So um, thank you again. I shall leave you to... Um, Go and enjoy the rest of your evening and have a lovely weekend. Thank you. You too. Have a great one. Uh, thank you. Uta. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Okay. So some really, really interesting ideas and thoughts from Uta there. And great to hear what her school is doing, um, developing older students as mentors. And I love the food bank idea and the fact that the students are giving up their free sessions um, to go and do that is just amazing and really shows the power, I think, of, of empathy and, and caring for others. So um, started off today thinking about what is it we need to develop in our young people so that they can be the effective leaders of tomorrow. And I think, again, going back to what Uta has just said, the student that came back and spoke to her, the one that's in his 20s, and, and talked about the support he'd had at the school, obviously made a real impact on him and some of the offerings that he'd he'd had and Uta's word embedded I think that is really key um, that things that we're doing with our young people are embedded in our curriculum are just part of what we do so they see that as normal it's not seen as a bolt on it's not seen as a an added extra whilst you might provide some additional opportunities um, such as the student leadership um, ideas that actually it's something that everybody has access to. So um, lots and lots of ties. I don't even know where to start thinking about how we can link those all back to the ideas from the Nolan principles and from Simon Sinek's talk. But, you know, some there are some really clear bits there, particularly around openness, particularly around honesty. Um, to use the word um, compassion several times, um, but also just thinking about that kind of selflessness, working for the good of the community, um, particularly the food bank there definitely, um, definitely ticks that sort of box. Um, so, okay, going back to why does all this matter um, and students understanding why they are being given these skills, being given the opportunities to development, um, develop them. So you know, we do live in a very fast moving world. Um, we do live in a world that can feel quite insecure at times that might be because it's fast moving it might also be due to global events um, might be due to personal circumstances at home whatever it is um, it is well documented that well-being and mental health are factors that are linked in with how you're supported at work or in your community um, and as I mentioned previously also to do then with retention of staff um, we know from, from government statistics that there are sadly greater numbers leaving the education sector than ever before. 
Um, and quite a significant number of these um, these people that are leaving are doing so before their retirement age. And many of them are citing reasons such as, as burnout, um, lack of trust in them as a professional, feeling that you know, there aren't avenues that they can explore, and sometimes saying things like micromanagement or um, constant sort of pressures to do tasks that they you know, perhaps are wondering what the value is with those tasks. You know, all of those things have had an impact um, on their mental health, and that, that's been part of their, their reason for leaving. So really is crucial that we start to look at how we can support people, and actually not just in the future, but how we can support people today. So we really need to help our students to understand that it's not just okay but it's desirable, actually, for, for leaders to show that they care, that they have empathy, that they have compassion for their staff, um, and that that creates those conditions, as we mentioned before, of feeling valued, uh, feeling safe and feeling trusted. And really interesting that Uta um, linked all of that to the word empowered. And actually, people, whether it's students in a school or whether it's staff in a, in a team in a workplace, actually feeling that their leaders have that care, have that compassion, give them the support, that they are empowered to take their own decisions, be autonomous, um, fulfil their job role um, and, and feel satisfaction in doing so. So um, just wanted to draw all of those ideas to a conclusion. Um, and I think it's it's quite clear that people who are seen as good leaders today and, and hopefully those who are good leaders of, of the future too they're not the people who manage every little thing um, and Simon Sinek actually in his talk said that people who are managing every little thing they create a culture of doing people turn up they do their job they follow processes they you know go through systems but people who show they care people who show that ultimately that they're a human they create a culture of feeling and understanding and they're doing that by taking the time to get to know their employees and their teams they see them as as individuals um, and I know going back to my personal experience it's it's people who get to know what what makes you tick um, what is it that helps you to thrive and and again showing that care for you as a person your professional development but also you know for you and that's not to say you need to know every single detail about their lives but just that you care for them as a person and you know how they're feeling, how they're coming to work, how they're showing up um, on, on different days of the week. Um, so some really great examples um, that Uta shared with us. Um, if there's anyone else listening live and wants to share some examples of what's happening in their schools, it would be great to hear from you. Um, coming towards the end of my show this evening it's a slightly shorter one because there is another show um, coming on later on um, so just going to take a short break to hear once again from our sponsors and then I'm going to start bringing things to a close this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more. Okay, so thank you again to our sponsors there. Um, some of you who listen regularly might 
know they have been supporting TTR um, for quite a while now. So we appreciate their ongoing support. Um, did, I did mention before the break that there is um, another Teachers Talk radio show later this evening. Um, and all things like the weekly review will be coming up um, over the, uh, things on the weekend and some shows coming up uh, next week as well. So do have a look and hopefully you'll find something of interest. And if there's any topics that you would like covering, um, be really interested to hear from you. Please do let me know by texting in. So um, wrapping up from thinking about the leaders to, of tomorrow, um, I finished my last show with a well-being word for the weekend. And I thought actually I might make that a little regular feature just at the end of the show. Um, so probably no surprises this week that my word is compassion. Um, yes, it links with my show theme, um, but I also think that this time of year, you know, we've just come out of, of January. The nights are still a little bit dark. There is some um, some changes there, but, you know, it's it's still a month that people are getting up in the dark, going home in the dark. Um, so I thought it was really important to show compassion, not just to other people, but also to ourselves. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but some of us, me included, still occasionally feeling the after effects of lots of uh, peopling over Christmas and just needing that time to recharge. So what can you do to show compassion to yourself? Um, for me, it's spending time outside, um, spending time with my dogs, just getting outside in the fresh air, giving myself time to to think, to breathe, just to not really think about a whole lot else, to be honest. Um, for other people, it might be a hobby. It might be something fun. It might be meeting up with a friend. Um, think about whatever works for you, really. But can you find a way over the next few days to show some compassion to yourself? And I think if we feel refreshed and recharged in ourselves, it just makes it that little bit easier then to show that same sort of compassion and care towards others too. So thank you very, very much for joining me this evening on the Friday Twilight Show. Um, I will leave you thinking about your ideas for showing compassion to yourself as well as to others. And I very much hope you will join me again soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.